You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Hey, good morning, Radiant Church. Good to see all of you this Sunday morning. My name is Pastor Marco. If you are new to Radiant, welcome. Thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. And um, if you're watching online, welcome as well. Make sure you leave a comment, share this on your newsfeed. It helps us to get the word out. Well, listen, um, it's good to be back with you guys today. Most of you know that I took off the month of June from preaching, uh, really just to focus on a few different things. Number one, I wanted to focus more on our campaign for future generations. And speaking of that, I'll give you guys an update about where we're at uh, as far as money-wise regarding that next weekend. So make sure you're here for that. So I wanted to spend some time focusing on the campaign and the building. I wanted to pour some more time into our staff. And then, uh, honestly, to be honest with you, I just needed a break, okay, from preaching. I was a little bit on the burnt-out end, and I was reaching that point where I was like, man, I got to take some time off not preaching and just focus in on the work inside the church. And so thank you for just allowing me to be away from the pulpit for a few weeks. I'm back. I'm energized. I feel good, you guys. Um, I'm excited for where we're going. And speaking of that, today we're back in our series, Christ Culture Church. This is a study through the book, or, or rather, I should say, the letter of 1 Corinthians found in the New Testament. Now, you might realize or you may have recognized that we gave it a fresh look, kind of gave it some new graphics. James, our media director, put together kind of an edgy video to kind of represent the feel of the message series. So thank you to James. But we're going to wrap up this sermon series this month as we, uh, as we look at the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, if you're new with us, I want to just take a few moments. I want to give you a brief backdrop to kind of fill you in and hopefully fill in some of the gaps. The letter of 1 Corinthians, as I said before, is found in the New Testament in your Bible. It's written by a man named Paul. Now, here's the thing that you got to know about Paul. Paul was not a Jesus follower his whole life, but he had this radical encounter with Jesus that just changed him and transformed him from the inside out. And from that day on, God used Paul in just a huge way to write so many of of the letters that we find in the New Testament. So 1 Corinthians is this. Paul writes a letter to Christians in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth is located in ancient Greece. And when Paul writes this letter to these believers, he's writing primarily for, for two big reasons. Number one reason is he wants to kind of give clarification on what is the gospel, right? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? We should be clear on that. Paul wants to be very clear on that as well. And Paul also writes this letter because he wants to bring correction. So there's a few times where Paul has to kind of, you know, bring the hammer down, so to speak, because he has to bring correction to some issues inside of the church, So in Corinth, here's what happened. The church started to look a little bit more like the world than the church, okay? Because the culture surrounding Corinth 
had infiltrated the church. And therefore, listen, the church looked more like the world than anything else. And when that happens, well, let me just say this, nothing good happens from that, okay? And so Paul writes to bring correction in many places and in many big issues concerning the church. Now, this week, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, and, and for the next four weeks, I felt prompted by the Lord that I want to focus in on what we call the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I need to set some groundwork. I need to kind of build a foundation. And this is going to take me a little while, okay? So just, I need you to be patient with me, church. I promise, I promise you it's going somewhere. And we need this foundation for where we're going the rest of our series. In this series, we're talking a lot about, of course, the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, you might ask? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, Christians have always believed this. Orthodox, uh -oh. historical Christians have always believed in the Trinity, that God is one, yet he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, when you call Jesus your Lord and your Savior and you submit your life to him, the Holy Spirit comes to reside on the inside of you. He lives in you. In fact, the Holy Spirit is responsible for your conversion, for opening your eyes so that you can even believe upon Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit has also come to fill us with power. Fill us with power. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the Holy Spirit filling us with power. In fact, Jesus said this himself. You may be very familiar with this passage of Scripture, but I think it's a good foundation for where we're going this morning. It's Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. These are the words of Jesus. He says, but you, and he's talking to the disciples here, but you will receive, and the word there is what, church? Power. Let's try that again. I need you a little more participation. But you will receive power. There it is. Now you're sounding a little bit more like first service. Amen. All right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, quick theological lesson for all of you this morning. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only come upon people for moments at a time. It was momentary. In other words, the Holy Spirit did not reside inside of people. It would come upon priests, you know, prophets and leaders for moments where they needed to act courageously, moments where they needed to really operate in the power of God. But Jesus says here, he's going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then he says this, and you, put that verse back up, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, it starts locally in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, but then Jesus says, you're going to testify. That's really what that word means. You're going to be my martyrs in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria. It spreads out a bit further and then to the very ends of the earth. Now, how in the world would these uneducated fishermen do this? Well, they would do this by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so this morning, listen, my message is entitled, Experiencing the Power of God. Experiencing the Power of God. So with that in mind, I want to go ahead and take just a few moments. I want us to pray, and then we'll dive right into the rest of my message. Let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you so much just for your presence today, this morning. We thank you for VBS. What an incredible week we had. Hey, sound team, if I need the mic, just let me know or come give it to me, one of you guys. Um, Lord, thank you for what you did in Vacation Bible School and how you rescued and how you brought so many kids to us. Thank you, Lord, for all of the workers, for all of the volunteers, God, what what you're doing is just phenomenal, and we celebrate that today, God. Uh, God, we ask today that you would just do what only you can do, move in power through our midst, Lord. We pray that you would open up blind eyes, that you would unlock our deaf ears. And for some of us, God, we pray that you would um, just soften our hardened hearts, God. We have hardened hearts because of life becomes difficult. Life has trials of many, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would soften the hardest of hearts today. Do only what you are able to do. We thank you for that, and we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. All of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, let me begin this morning with an illustration, an illustration, a story, if you will, in the history of power outages in the United States of America, there is one power outage that stands out among uh, the rest of them. And this was a significant time in our history. It was known as the Great Blackout of 2003. The Great Blackout of 2003. This was a colossal incident, and it's etched in history of the United States of America. And it took place on August 14th. 2003, August 14th, 2003, and check this out, it's estimated that over, just over 50 million people went without electricity. That's crazy. 50 million people all throughout northeastern parts of the United States and even into Canada, okay? Now, I want to quick, quickly show you this photo, this satellite image. You can see it behind me. I want you to notice it's a satellite image of the United States of America. And there is that circle in yellow. And notice that the rest of the United States is all lit up. There's lights coming from everywhere. But in that northeastern section, it's completely dark. That's why. That's because, again, there was a great blackout. They had lost uh, power completely. Now, this domino effect actually started with a power line that was in Ohio, and it was sagging, and it was drooping into uh, uh, some trees. It was sagging because the reason this happens is because there was a great demand, demand of power on this power line. There was also a lack of vegetation maintenance. And so what started with one power line, you know, going out or going over, just kind of turned into this uh, chaotic and, and, and catastrophic chain reaction. Soon after that, here's what happened. Power plants in Ohio and uh, in, in Michigan, in Ontario, shut down, and so did a significant portion of the power grid. Cities such as New York and Cleveland and Detroit, all, all over the region, okay, they were, they were lifeless. They were without 
power. They were in a state of paralysis. You know, giant skyscrapers, they, they, they stood lifeless. Check this out. Public transportation halted. And can you imagine, like, the, all of the lights in Bay City just going out at the same time, right? Now, listen, we have a small city here. It's not that big of a deal, okay? But uh, I think of, like, maybe the intersection of Wilder and Euclid. That gets a bit wild right there. I was going through there one time, and the, 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 the power had went out. And, you know, it was like a four-way stop. Man, that was crazy because you're like, ah, who's going to go next? Ah, right? And you're like, I'm going to go through, and hopefully nobody hits me, right? That's crazy enough. But, I mean, think about being, like, in Cleveland or Chicago or Detroit, New York City, when, like, the power goes out, that's like pure chaos there. Medical workers and medical professionals were working around the clock tirelessly with um, backup generators just so people would stay alive in the hospitals. And on top of that, many businesses had to shut down because they had no power, right? And that led to a great loss of, or in, rather, the economy. Now, I want you to think about this this morning, church. It's amazing what happens when our infrastructure experiences a lack of power, right? Things shut down, right? There's great economic loss. There is, I mean, nothing works as it should work. But I want to just tell you this morning that you know that it works the same way in the life of a believer, it works the same way in the life of a Christian, that when we're disconnected from the power of God, we are deemed ineffective and nothing works, nothing goes the way it should go. Too many Christians were held in bondage, were held captive by things that we should not be held captive by. Because why? Because we're disconnected from the power of God. Now, I'm not even talking about the miraculous right now. We'll get to that a little bit later in our series. But I just want to remind you this morning that the Holy Spirit, listen, empowers us to defeat sin. The Holy Spirit empowers us to resist temptation and the Holy Spirit, listen, gives us the power to accomplish the will and the purpose that God has for each of us. So if we're in or disconnected from the power of God, we're deemed ineffective in our walk and we cease to function as we should, just like things happened in the power outage in 2003. We don't want that. We want to be connected to our power source. And church, I want to just make a statement here, and it's this. I wonder if too many of us have settled for a powerless Christianity. Let me ask that one more time. I wonder, church, if too many of us have settled for a powerless Christianity, a faith that believes the right thing, listen, but is void of the power of God. And I want to just tell you this morning that this is not the faith that the Apostle Paul would have known. This is not the faith that the Apostle Paul would have known. He would have known the great power that resides in him known as the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I want to do. I want to kind of make a case. We're going to look at a couple of passage, passages in Ephesians this morning. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to notice what Paul says beginning in verse 18. 
He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great, what is it, church? Power. Power. Yeah, good. For us who believe. It's for us who believe. And he says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is involved or invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Notice what Paul's saying here, church. Paul's asking God that God would give this impartation of the Spirit's power to the Ephesians. He would give an impartation of the Spirit's power to the Ephesians, that the same power, listen, that animated Jesus' body and raised Christ from the dead, that same power would reside and live and make himself evidence in the life of the believers in Ephesus. This is the power that Paul is praying for the church. He's also saying this is the same power that, listen, that subjected every ruler, every authority, every demon, every principality, made them subject to the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. This is that power that God desires you and I, listen, to experience and to operate in. I'm convinced of this. This is the same power that we're supposed to use in practice, listen, when we evangelize to the lost. It's the same power that we experience when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And it's the same power that we're supposed to operate in when we pray for the sick. The power of of God. I want to keep us going in Ephesians to Ephesians chapter 3, a few pages later. Paul writes this, verse 20. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his what, church? Power. His power, right? That is at work where? Within us. Where is that power working in? Inside of us. That's right. Within us, Paul says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love this. Paul says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to what? His power. And it's his power that's working within us. This is what Paul is saying. His power that is working within us. And finally, I want us to look at one last text on this topic when it comes to Paul. And that's 1 Corinthians 2.4. 1 Corinthians 2.4. I know I'm giving you a barrage of verses to begin with, but trust me, I'm setting this up for where we're going. 1 Corinthians 2.4. And Paul writes this. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's what? Power. Power. Yeah. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I love this because this is what every preacher wants. This is what every, uh, you know, teaching pastor desires in, in, in his or her life, that the power of God might be evident when they preach. And what Paul is saying is this. This is my prayer for myself. What Paul is saying is this, is that when he preaches, he wants it to be more than just, oh, man, Paul is really smart. 
Oh, man, Paul's so smart. He wants it to be more than, wow, Paul used such great illustrations to bring it alive. Wow, that's so amazing, right? And Paul was brilliant, right? He probably used great illustrations. I mean, he was trained under the rabbi Gamil. So he, I mean, he was very familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, right? But it was more about like, oh, man, Paul has such a great personality. No, what Paul was desiring that was this, was that when he preached, he was desiring that the power of God would be made evident. So people wouldn't say, wow, look at Paul. They would say, wow, look at the power of God here. That's what he's asking for. It's the greatest compliment to any minister, to any pastor, is for you to say, man, I saw the power of God show up. When you started teaching, right? so often people in the church, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to volunteer for vacation Bible school. I, I could never do that, and it's like I'm afraid, and I've got all these insecurities, and I don't know if I could do that, and I don't know if I could do that. And the answer is, you can't in your own strength, right? And, and so many, so often, what Christians aren't thinking about, they're not thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? That when they come into that classroom, when they begin to teach, that when they, get, when they begin to do ministry, listen, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that will carry them. And it will make them a new man or a new woman. They'll be able to do things that they never thought they could do. Because of why? Because of, of a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And church, let me just ask you this this morning. Do you realize that this power already resides in you, right? Yeah. Do you realize that this power already resides in you if you are a born-again believer, that is? Yeah. Do, you really, do you realize that the same power that raised Christ from the dead abides in you precisely so that you might transcend the limitations of your finite existence and minister to others in the same power and love as Jesus did. Some people will say to me, Pastor Marco, I, don't, I, can't, I can't speak on stage. And I, I'm trying to coach them. I'm trying to encourage them. No, you have it in you. God's got you on this. And they're like, I, I just, I can't go on stage. I can't speak. I can't do that. And I'm like, you're not thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit. That when you're up there, I know the lights are bright. I know you can't see everyone. I know you're a little bit nervous. But there's a power of the Holy Spirit that will carry you through and give you the strength you need to do what God has called you to do. Sam Storms, in one of his books, I'm going to refer to Sam Storms a lot during this series, is one of my theological heroes when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of his books on the gifts of the Spirit, he's got a PhD, he's a pastor, he's a brilliant man. Sam Storms has said this, that Christianity is inescapably supernatural. That is to say, we who look to the Bible for truth believe that the physical universe is entirely the product or effect of a spiritual non-material cause, namely the power of God. Christianity, listen, is a supernatural faith. It's supernatural. Church, do you believe that? That God spoke and the cosmos came into being. 
We serve a powerful God. He spoke and it came into existence. In fact, if you read Hebrews chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews says this, that Jesus holds all things together by the power of his word. We don't just simply believe that creation came into existence. It was an accident or, you know, just kind of happened randomly. No, we believe that behind that there was a divine creator, powerful God that when he spoke, it came into being. So listen, our faith, listen, is a supernatural faith. We have a powerful God. And, and this morning, I want to remind you of that truth, that the Christian faith is not simply about intellectual assent. It's not simply about, you know, ascribing to a certain, you know, set of dogmas or doctrinal beliefs. And I want to just say this to be clear, that doctrine is very, very important, okay? I don't want to diminish I don't want to diminish good doctrine. That's really important. I don't want to diminish the theology because it's very important. But I want to just remind you this morning that Christianity is more than just doctrine. It's more than just saying, I believe a few things that are, I guess they're true about God. It's experiential. The Bible says this in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. What does that mean? Taste and see means you're experiencing, you're taking it in. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so the Bible teaches us that the faith is more than just about just ascribing to doctrine. It's about also experiencing the power of God. Listen, the Christian faith should stir your heart's affections for him. Why? Because it's the power of God that lives on the inside of you. It's the power of God. It's the spirit that when, when, when Pastor Jacob leads us in worship, right, there's something that's inside of, inside of you that says, man, I've got to lift up my hands. Man, i got to sing out. Man, I have to praise. There's something on the inside of me that wants to and has to connect with the transcendent God. It's the power of God. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit not just for Christian ministry. I want to be clear on that, okay? Now, that's a big part of it. But not just for Christian ministry. We need the power of the Spirit for all of life. Amen? Yeah, we need the power of the Spirit to be bold witnesses for Jesus wherever God has placed you, okay? Now, God has placed you in different areas, and he's placed me. And praise God for that, because he's going to use you in different ways than he would use me. And that's amazing. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, um, to run a business. Did you know that? Okay, a couple people said yes, that's good. <laughs> Just two, sweet, perfect. <clears throat> you need the power of the Spirit to be a teacher today. You need the Spirit's power to be a parent. Can I get an amen? amen. Right, unless your kids are just perfect and just... Pastor Marco, I don't know what you're talking about. My kids are just angels. They don't do anything wrong. They never talk back and always do what I tell them to do, like... Oh, maybe you don't need the Spirit's power then, okay? But oh, we do in my household. All right? We need the Spirit's power to be parents today. You need the Spirit's power to make, listen, wise choices for your family each and every day, right? Whether that's just concerning what you're going to eat or whether that's concerning your career change or what you're going to invest in or where you're going to put your time at, your resources, you need the Spirit's power for all of these things for every single day in your life. So here's the question I've been asking myself lately, and I'm going to ask it of you as well. How many of us, listen, Christians, 
believers. How many of us desire a supernatural lifestyle, but we're pursuing it in a completely humanistic and logical way? You want a supernatural lifestyle, but you're pursuing it in a completely humanistic and logical way. In other words, you're not relying, you're not accessing the power of God in your life. You're not asking for more of the Spirit's power in what you do every single day. Do you ever ask God to move in power in your life? Do you ever ask God that he might manifest himself powerfully in and through you at your work every single day? Do you ask that? Now, there's a few of you who probably do, but a lot of us probably don't. We're not asking for God's power to show himself manifest in our lives each and every day. Remember, are you struggling with sin in your life? Are you struggling with sexual temptation? You need the power of God to break that bondage. You, you can't do it on your own. You're, you're incapable. You're, you're too weak. You, you, you won't have victory. You won't have victory. You need the power of God. I want to just challenge you this morning that even Paul prayed for this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. You can go there later. We won't have it on the screen. Philippians 3, verse 8. Write it down. Read it later. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes. I want to know the power of his resurrection and in his sufferings. Both and, okay, both and. It's not a health and wealth, prosperity gospel. God's not promising you're going to be healthy all the time. We get sick. We're still here, right? The perfect hasn't come yet in its fullness at least. But listen, Paul says, I want the power of his resurrection and I want his sufferings. I want both of it. God, I want to experience your power on a daily basis. I need your power right now in my family today. Not just for ministry, but just for my family today. Are you asking for the power of the Spirit in your life? Can I just tell you that even Jesus operated by the power and in the power of the Holy Spirit? Even Jesus. Okay, let me show you really quick. Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says this. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Isn't that amazing? The power of the Lord was with Jesus. Even Jesus relied, operated in the power of the Spirit. Acts 10, verse 37 and 38 says this. Luke is sort of recounting what took place. He says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Notice that word power shows up again. So the devil has power, but the, the greater power lies in the spirit of God. Amen? Amen? So Jesus went around healing those who were under the power of the devil. Which, by the way, that is everyone who is not in Christ. Let me just be clear on that, right? Everyone who is not in Christ is under the influence, under the power of the evil one. Make no mistakes. Make no mistakes. Doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God was with him. So Jesus combated the power of the devil with the power of God to heal people. 
And if Jesus operated in the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're going to need the same power, right? We're going to need that same power today and every day of our lives. I want to read you another quote from Sam Storms. He writes this. He says, if you make any attempt to pursue Christian ministry apart from a conscious prayer for more of the power and a conscious dependence on it to enable you to do what otherwise you could never do, you will never enter into the fullness of what God has designed for you and for those to whom you might minister. Do you want to minister to people at your workplace? You need the power of God. Do you want to be a wise parent, discipling your kids like you should be? You need the power of God. You need the wisdom of God. You need something that's beyond yourself. Why? Because you have limitations and I have limitations. I don't know everything. You don't know everything, right? I, I don't have enough life experience. I don't have enough education. And it's the same with you. You need more than that. You need something that's transcendent, that's beyond that. You need the power of the Spirit in your life. And Paul prayed for it, then we can pray for it. If Jesus operated in it, then we should operate in it as well. Amen, church? And so let me just ask you this question. Church, are we desiring the same power today? Or rather, are we trying to live a Christian life void of the power of God? And I know some, some preachers out there, very popular preachers, don't believe in the gifts. And they argue against them and they have a bunch of YouTube videos. I don't care what they say because the scripture does not teach that they have ceased. There's no way. No way. This power of the Spirit is alive and well. Now, that being said, that was my introduction, okay? <laughs> so we got about 45 more minutes. So. <laughs> Seriously, that was my introduction, though? And so listen, I just wanted to set a foundation for you. It won't be 45 more minutes, okay, because Pastor Sarah will kill me, so I can't do that. But listen, about 15 more minutes we're going to spend Finally, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 now, okay? So go ahead. We set the framework. We, 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 we built a foundation that we are in need of the power of God, that the power of God is available to all of us who believe, all of us who are in Jesus Christ. Now, let's just take a few moments and just spend some time in these three verses. We're just going to make it through three verses this morning. Next week, we'll, we'll spend time in the rest of chapter 12, okay? Here's what Paul writes. He says this. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, leave that verse up there. I want you to know that in the Greek text, the Koine Greek is the original language. In the Greek text, the word gifts doesn't even show up. Can I just share that with you? Paul uses this, this phrase, this word. It's pneumatikos. You hear the word pneuma in there? Pneuma in the Greek is, wor, is, 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 is breath, it's wind, it's spirit. In the Old Testament Hebrew, it's ruach. you got to say it with that ruach, right? That spirit, wind, breath. What Paul is actually saying, what a better translation would actually be is this. Now, about the things of the spirit. Now, concerning spiritual people. That's actually what he's saying there. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans somehow or other, Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. So if you have the Spirit of God in you, you're not going to say, Jesus, be cursed. He also says this on the flip side, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. You can't even say, Jesus is Lord, unless you have the Spirit operating in your life. Okay? 
Paul makes this reference in verse number two. That when we were outside of the realm of Christ and we didn't follow him, our hearts were drawn to what? To these worthless and these mute idols. Okay? That, the idea is this, is that, you know, we, and we understand this, that, that people outside of Jesus are worshiping all the wrong things. People outside of Christ are, are longing to worship something they're just worshiping the wrong things right now. They're worshiping themselves. They worship bodily autonomy. My body, my choice. You hear those phrases. It's worship of self. They're worshiping celebrities. They're worshiping their own choices and freedoms, and, right? They're worshiping all of the wrong things because of their sinful nature that they inherited from Adam. Back in Genesis, right? I want to point you to another verse quickly that helps me to illustrate and teach verse number two. And it's Ecclesiastes 3.11. Notice what Solomon says. He says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I want you to consider for just a few moments these words of Solomon. Leave that verse there for a moment. He has also set eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? It means this. It means that God has wired, he has created every person on the planet with the knowledge, with the hunger, that there is something more than this transient world. God has given every human being and every human part innate knowledge that there's something more than we can see and experience than the here and the now. God has placed in every human heart a longing, a yearning for what? For things that are eternal. And so what we see in culture today are people, they're, they're longing and they're yearning for the eternal in all the wrong places, Right? It's a shame. It's, it's sad. In every human heart, listen, God has placed this hole in all of us that we want to worship something. We want to be connected with the transcendent. But because of our sinful nature, Paul says this, is that we've been led astray by mute idols. And that's what we see right now in our world today. Remember, this series is called Christ Culture Church. How does this show up in our culture today? I, I want to show you that and explain that. You see, many people in today's world, because they just don't know any better, they're seeking a spiritual experience in the wrong places. They're seeking a spiritual experience in all the wrong places. And listen, these experiences are mere counterfeits of the, of the real thing. And they may be spiritual, okay, they are, but they're not of the Holy Spirit. They're of a demonic spirit. I want to be clear this morning that the spiritual realm is binary. What does that mean? It means this. It's just heaven or hell. That's it. Angels, demons. Light, darkness. It's binary. There's no such thing as chubby little babies in diapers in heaven sprinkling dust on you so you can have a good day. 
It's like, hey, Pastor Mark, I was just praying to the, one of my fairies and asking that they would, you know, like sprinkle dust on me. And, 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 and I, I'm saying this because you see this all over social media, don't you? I mean, I do. It's like people seeking a transcendent experience in the wrong thing. Pray. Hey, I was just, hey, you know, I was just praying to the universe and the universe decided to give me a good day today. No, 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 no. Listen, don't, don't, don't pray to the universe. Pray to the God who spoke the universe into being. Right? And so this morning, yeah, you clap your hands. Right? But so many people, even some Christians, are experiencing. I, I, and I've talked to Christians who are doing this. What are they doing? They're seeking mediums, fortune tellers, spiritists, tarot cards, Ouija boards, Spirit boards, I mean, you name it. Now, is that a spiritual experience? You bet it is. It's just the wrong spirit. So you're not inviting the Holy Spirit into your household. You're inviting the demonic spirit into your household. So parents, be warned, because these spirit boards are now pushed and advertised towards children now. And they make them look pretty and cute, and they're all colorful, and they're on all over Amazon. And, hey, and, and, and teenagers, if you find your friends doing it, you're like, isn't that a big deal? Like, hey, hey, you know, I go to church sometimes, but hey, we, 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 you know, we use the spirit board. No, 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 walk away from that. That's the wrong experience that you want. You're inviting the wrong type of spirit into your life. That's the spirit that you don't want. And, and, and listen, I understand. I, I, I get where you're coming from because so many people in our day and age, the reason they do this is because they're seeking spirit. Spiritual what? Guidance. They want spiritual guidance, but you don't need to find guidance in those areas. You can have the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul's trying to say. He's saying, listen, concerning spiritual people, concerning things of the Spirit, you know that when you were pagans, right, you longed to be connected to the transcendent, but you were worshiping the wrong things. In our culture today, it's unfortunate. It's sad. So many people are going to these types of avenues to find spiritual guidance. But listen, it'll only leave you disappointed, disillusioned, and in some cases, in danger. So turn away from those things. Repent of those things. And I've talked to Christians before, and I was like, hey, you need to repent of that. Right now I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance and turn away from their, that wickedness. And they didn't know, and you know, I loved them and, and shepherded them through that and pastored them through that. But listen, we got to give people the truth. Hey, where you're looking is the wrong place. I understand your heart because you were wired this way. Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes 3.11. You're longing to be connected to the transcendent. But it's the wrong place. And Paul says, you were led astray by mute idols. So many people in our culture today are looking for spiritual guidance, but they're looking in the wrong place. And they're looking towards counterfeit means to achieve that. Are you seeking a spiritual encounter or guidance apart from God this morning? There might be a few of you here this morning. You're like, oh, shoot, that's me. I got tarot cards. In my closet, I called, you know, the fortune teller last week, the hotline, you know what I mean? It was like $3.95 the first minute, they said, and then $5.95, you know. <laughs> yeah, that'll get you on that one for real, though. <laughs> don't do it. Listen, don't do it. Turn away. Repent. It's actually not a laughing matter in reality, though. Are you seeking a spiritual experience apart from God? Don't talk to the universe, as I said before. Talk to the God who spoke the universe into existence. You can have access to him 
today through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. We're going to get ready to wrap up, but here's what we learn about who God is just from what we studied today. We learned three things, you guys. Number one, our God is a good father. He gives good gifts, doesn't he? Amen? He gives good gifts. He's not going to give you a snake. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Okay. Number two, the second thing we learn is that he gives us the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's not left you alone. He's not abandoned you. You're not alone. You're not forsaken. So many of us may feel, man, I feel alone. Pastor Mark, I'm so alone. I'm so alone. Nobody knows my pain. Nobody knows my heartache. Pastor Mark, what do I do? Uh, my heart's bleeding out. Listen, you're not alone. If you're in Christ, the Spirit of God is with you. If you're not in Christ, I'm going to lead you to him this morning. I want to introduce you to Jesus. And number three, the third thing that we learned this morning is that God gives us the power to accomplish and carry out his will. He gives us the power to accomplish and carry out his will, his purposes. When God calls you to do something, listen, church, he doesn't leave you on your own. He gives you the ability to do it, right? God's calling you back to school and you haven't been to school in 30 years. He's going to give you the ability to do it. If God's calling you into full-time vocational ministry, guess what? He's going to give you the means to do it. He's going to give you his power. It's not just going to be you on your own. You're not alone God has given you his spirit to accomplish his will. And so as we close this morning, I want to pray with you. But it would be a shame for some of you to leave this morning and say, man, Pastor Marco, that sounds great. The Holy Spirit, his power sounds amazing. I can't have that, though. I'm just, I mean, that's great for all the church people here and the religious and those who know everything in the Bible. But that's just not me. See, my life is my life is in shambles. I'm, I'm a mess right now. I'm going through a divorce, and man, it's been ugly. And I cheated, she cheated, and there's drug use, and you know, there's no way I can have that. And I would say you can have it today by turning to Christ, turning away from your sin, and turning to Him for life. He can forgive you of all your sins, and you can have the power of the Spirit residing in your life. Today, today, I mean, seriously, today, you can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord, He's Savior. You can believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead three days later. You can confess that you're a sinner, that you're far from Him, and that in and of yourself you have nothing to offer God, nothing. And then finally, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior today. I want to pray with you if that's some of you this morning. I want to actually personally pray with you this morning. I want to lead you to Jesus this morning if you would let me. I want to pray with you, pray over you. And then finally, let me speak to the believers this morning. If you're here and you're already a believer, you're a Christian, I want to just challenge you. Are you praying for the power of God in your life? Are you praying for God's power? Are you praying for God's power to live a holy life unto him? Are you praying for God's power when you show up to work? Are you praying for God's power when you minister to that person? Are you praying before you go to work? God, I want to see your power made evident in me today, this afternoon. I want to see a manifestation of who you are, God, in me. It's not me. Not so people can say how great you are. Not so people can say, wow, look at him or look at her. But so people can see the power of God. And that their faith might rest in him. Not in you. Not in me. But in him. 
So church, I want to just challenge you. Are, you. are you praying for that? Because this week I was convicted by the Spirit. I was convicted, man. The Lord was like, hey, you're not praying for this. And I was like, I'm not. And I'm like, man, I just started praying, Lord, I want that power. Forgive me for not relying on it, for not asking for it. I want that power. So church, I want to pray with you. Prayer team's going to come up in a few more moments, but we want to pray with you this morning for you to experience the power of God in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message, God, and I pray, Lord, that it's what it did to me, God, I pray that it does to everyone else in the room and those who are watching online, that it leads to conviction, a conviction that says, you know what? I've not even thought of the power of God ever in my life, or I rarely ever pray for that. I pray that it convicts those today that we might begin to pray for your activity in our lives. The Spirit himself would just show up in manifest ways as we minister to people, as we talk, as we grocery shop, as we parent. God, nudge our hearts today that we might be those people that rely on your spirit. Father, I pray for those today that are far from you, Lord, that they might turn away from sin, repent, and come into the arms of Jesus this morning, Lord. Lord, we pray that you might do a mighty work in this church and that Radiant Church would be known as the people who rely on the power of God within them. So Holy Spirit, in this moment as we wrap up, just have your way. Just come and breathe on us for a moment. Come and heal broken hearts. Come and heal broken lives, God. Holy Spirit, only you can mend a broken heart. Only you can repair the damage that's been done, Lord, for years and years, God. Lord, only you can give someone their true identity. If someone is here, if you're wrestling with your gender identity, it's the Spirit of God that will give you your true identity today. He's a good father. He wants to show you and teach you this day. God, we thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Church, hey, can we clap our hands for our king this morning?